0: actually wanted to tell you about your job. How many of you guys have a job? How many hope to have a job someday? How many want to be a bum? Mama's basement for life. Okay, sorry. All right. Uh, (laughs) Some of the people with jobs are like, can I? (laughs) Does someone else want to pay for the food that goes in my house? All right. I've been been here for a while and I've gotten to help train uh, a few staff throughout the last decade or so. And I was talking uh, with Kendra after she got the job, and then I was talking to Caitlin, again, in fact, today. And we were were talking about this, that they they would come, and there would be something that would bother them. And they're like, you know, why is nobody taking care of this? Can't believe this isn't getting done. And they just look at them and go, because it's your job. Ah. But like in their first bit when they got hired, this wasn't like something that happened once that was funny. This was something that happened probably a dozen times within the first month where they're like, how come this hasn't gotten cleaned out? Because that's your job and you haven't done it. Oh, how come they're not doing that? Did you tell them? Well, no, that's your job. Oh, well, why not? Did you do it? No, that's part of your job. That's why nobody else is doing it. And it was just like this realization that there was all these things that they saw because they were in this position and they just thought somebody else was going to do it. And then they realized that the reason that they were noticing them was because it was actually their job. And that's part of their position. Well, God actually has a job for you. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, he says to them, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. He says in John 20, verse 21, it says again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the father has sent me, I am sending you. There's this really crazy thing that whenever God does something, God, all-powerful God, uses people. And you'd think, if I was God, I'd probably just do what I wanted to do. But it's probably good I'm not God because I'd probably just do what I wanted to do. But I I was looking at an example of this. Most of you guys have probably at least heard a reference to David and Goliath. So if you haven't, I'm going to give you the nutshell version. We have got two armies. Two armies. One is the people of God, the people of Israel, and the other is the Philistines. They're getting ready to fight, and the Philistines send out this giant named Goliath. He's six cubits in a span, which is nine foot nine inches tall. means if he was to walk underneath a basketball hoop, he would make it underneath the rim, and he would hit his head on the bottom of the backboard um, by about an inch. Anyways, I, I don't know why I just get that picture of him walking underneath and hitting his head there, but so, so this guy's huge, and, and his, his, he declares, and he, he just defies the army of Israel and says, send me a man that he may fight with me. This is in 1 Samuel chapter 17, if you want to read the story later. And I got thinking about this, going, what would I do if I was God, and this army that's facing my people sends out this giant who starts, like, insulting my army? What would I do? If I was God? Lightning. Send me a man. Sucker. Like, or maybe you're like, send me a man. sinkhole, Shrink you down to size. Like, you would, I don't know, if I was God, there would have been some divine interaction that would have occurred. And he would have either been a French fry, a, a hole, a small volcano would have erupted directly underneath him. Like, but why didn't God do that? What did God do? What did God wait for? In fact, it says that Goliath did this for 40 days, which is a really long time. And that takes a lot of patience. I am working on patience. That is, yeah, you're like, God, wow. What are you waiting for? And then this little kid shows up. We don't know exactly how old David was, but he was considered a boy and he was not sent off to battle with the rest. So we know he was younger than they, what they kind of considered military age, and he'd been watching the sheep, and he comes and brings some stuff to his brothers, and he's getting some kind of some word, and he sees this, and he just goes, hey, who is this guy? What's he doing to find the army of Israel? And, and, and he goes through and says that he doesn't have a covenant with God. I do. And long story short, he goes out to fight the giant. So you've got little peewee, this little guy, versus the giant, and God goes, all right, I can work with this. You're like, what do you need peewee for if you can kill the giant with peewee you can kill the giant without him and and so David puts a stone in the sling and he makes this declaration that you know hey you come against me with a sword and a spear I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty and he swings this thing and launches the stone and the stone nails the giant sinks into his forehead the giant falls on his face he comes up borrows the giant's sword and cuts off his head yes God's awesome and I, I like the story um, but My little boys—it's one of their favorites. They all flip in their little Bible. Tell us about the giant. But um, I I love it. But when I got thinking about this, I'm like, why God? Didn't you just like miraculously make things happen? Why didn't the earth open up? Why didn't fire come down from heaven? Lightning come down from heaven? Why didn't he spontaneously combust? Like something cool that says, hello, this was God, you're an idiot. Like, that would have been my route. But I I begin to think about this. In fact, I asked Troy before service, or during worship, I said, Troy, can you think of one miracle since God made man and gave him authority on the earth that God did that man was not involved? Like, think of the greatest miracle, and you, you know, you're like, what is that, splitting the Red Sea? You're like, he told Moses to lift his staff, and when Moses lifted his staff, the sea split. Now, this is not very hard, but when God, he did this, it was his part, and God did the rest. And you go, what about all the 10 plagues in Egypt? Nope, nope, he had a, a role to play. And you're like, well, what about this drought that happened for three years? It's, oh, wait, he told someone to pray, and they prayed, and it didn't rain for three years. And you go through, and you start listing these, and miracle after miracle, God did incredible things but always in conjunction with somebody. He always gave somebody an easy task and he always did the hard task because everything that God does, he uses people. And it's still that way today. A lot of us pray, we think that God is gonna like provide for us by making money. By a bank glitch. You're like, okay, God, there's not enough money in my account. Make zeros appear. Behind the numbers, all right? And anyway, we've got this like thing, right? All right, God, make me some money. Do you realize that God doesn't counterfeit? And I, I It was kind of a, a weird thing for me when I was in college. I just got over there; it was my first year, and um, things are getting rocking and getting to know everybody. And there's a girl that I'm in college with, who I think we had morning prayer time, and it was like, all right, hey, go share a prayer request, with everybody. And so, um, in our in our circle, she's praying. She's like. I'm praying, She she prayed because she didn't have money for rent, money for food, and for um, her, she had to make a, like a tuition payment. And afterwards, I just felt like God said that, that he wanted to supply her needs. I'm like, yeah! He's like, and I'm going to use you. I'm like, what? And so, I'm like, dude, if I just walk up and like hand her the money, she's going to be like, hello, you want something. That's a lot of money. Like, you're interested in me. I'm like, I... And uh, and like uh, no, and God's like no, don't don't go. This isn't about you. This is this is from me, and I just want to use you. You said you wanted to be my tool. You wanted me to use you. So put what she needs in her mailbox, and you can just let her know it came from God. Sign it from him. Don't sign it from you. This isn't about you. Like ah. So I eat. I'm like, all right. You can't go sit here and say, God, use me. And then when God says, I want to use you, say no. Like that, that, so but a lot of people do that. Anyways, but I was determining that I'm not going to do that. So I, I go, I get the envelope, and I write a little note like, hey, you know, like, here's what you've been praying for, love God. And then sticking an envelope and like, <laughs> pull one of these like night shifts, like slide in the mailbox, take off. And so then I'm, I'm at college the next morning. When, boom, doors come flying open, and, and here comes running Lindsay. You're never going to believe what just happened. <laughs> and, and like, she's excited, so you can already start to smile and not, like, have it give away anything. And she's like, God provided for me the rent, the money that I needed, what I needed was in my, and she's going crazy, and, and you walk away, and you're like, wait a second. God provided? I pro- provide Wait, that's how God does it. When God wants to provide, he doesn't make money out of thin air. He puts it on somebody's heart and he directs people because God uses people. In fact, that same year, I, I went into college. And you have to understand, when I was in high school, I liked I like to eat now. But when I was in high school, I loved to eat. Like I would go home and I would eat and then I would have like a protein shake and go meet my friends at a restaurant while I'm finishing the protein shake as I drive as I pull in. And they're like, are you going to get anything? I'm like, no, I just finished a protein shake. But I'd go out with like six or seven of them, and most of them would eat half their food. And then they, they they throw this napkin on it. I'm like, are you done with that? They're like, well, yeah, I threw the napkin. I'm like, pass it over. I'll save the waitress some time. I will collect all the plates. And so I would just go, and I would finish everybody's food. And like this was just like a regular occurrence. Um, I did it there. I was, I was roofing for a while, and I would do it with the crew. We'd go out to, to breakfast or to lunch. And I'd be eating my sandwich on the way, and they're like, are you going to get anything? I'm like, no, that costs money, and I'm Dutch. And so I'm sitting here eating my sandwich with the crew that I made, and then as soon as I finished my sandwich, they'd you know pull like the whole napkin thing, or after a little while, they just knew. And so they would finish, and they'd say, all right, you still hungry? Like, yes, pass it on down. And I would just collect all the plates and eat everybody's food. Like, this is just, um, this, is, this was the way that life ran. But when I went to college, I was like, God... When I was at home, the cupboards magically refilled. It's this thing called parents, and they pay for things. It's awesome. But I'm, God, God I, need, God, I need you to provide for me food. When I went to college, I had God provide in miraculous ways. And, that, and I, I think about it now. I started the year, almost started off the year, by saying, God, sure, go ahead and use me and provide for this, this girl in college. But that year, it was crazy stuff. Like, one one day, I show up at college, and um, this guy just got done unloading the vending machine, and he had a bunch of extra, these, like, mini boxes of cereal. And he's like, you want some? I'm like, some? Yes. How many? How many do you want? How many will you give me? <laughs> he's like... Whatever you can take, so I got all these little things. I'm taking all the books out of my backpack, and you're like shoving your backpack till at home. I'm like, yes, I just have breakfast for like for a month. Actually, for me, it's probably for two weeks or a week. But anyways, <laughs> like I pack this thing full, and then you go through and, and I, I I can go through story after story. I can go through a dozen stories now, over a dozen years later, and go through going. God provided this meal, and God provided this meal. He invi- this person invited me over just out of the blue and fed me. This time. Um, God provided in this, this restaurant opened up and did a deal where they were just opening and they invited anyone who showed up that day to have a free meal. And then this time um, I, I decided to let go of what I wanted and to honor God and to take care of somebody else. And when I did, they offered me this food and they fed me and I can go through time after time, but every time God used somebody. And we, 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 are often familiar with the fact that the Bible tells us that God doesn't want anyone to go to hell, that God wants people to come to repentance. It's, it's found in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. But, but who's going to witness to them? Because everything that God does, God uses somebody. And I got thinking about this. and I'm like, what about Cornelius? In Acts chapter 11, there's this guy. Actually, you find the story in 10 and 11. They repeat it because it's a really important story. And, and, and he's, he's praying, and an angel shows up. This guy doesn't know Jesus yet. And this angel shows up and goes, God has seen your, your giving. God has seen your alms. God has heard your prayers. Send men to Joppa and find Peter this is Acts 11, verse 14. It says, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. I read that and I just thought, why didn't the angel, you went and told him where to find the guy. Why didn't you just tell him the message? Why go, hey, if you go tell that guy, he'll tell you. Well, why not just tell him yourself? And I I begin to see that because it's our job. Because God reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God gave us the job of reaching out, of drawing others towards him. See, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, Romans 10, 13. And I I read this this morning In the next couple verses, it says, But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And I got thinking about this, this important thing that the gospel, people don't accept Jesus until they first hear about Jesus. People don't hear about Jesus until someone first talks about Jesus. And I just begin to look at this and I, I, I begin to pray. In fact, I, I wrote this out I'm in my U version. So I was like, all right, my like, God, let us shine. Let us send missionaries to other countries, but let us not forget the land of the lost. The American schools are filled with broken and hurting people that are being told that there is no God. They tell them that there is no right and no wrong. No absolutes and wonder why atrocities rise. They are told they have no purpose. They are an accident of nature and wonder about the rise in depression. Schools are a place where God's love, power, and presence are needed so badly. Let us send our students not to get an education, but to proclaim the gospel. To let their light shine like a city on a hill. Let us do all we can, but let us not forget to send them, to empower them, to equip them, to reach the lost that are gathered in our schools because the Bible tells us that we are to go let our light so shine before men that they are drawn to God. He says that we are to send you out into your schools. And a lot of people go, but I don't even like my school. It's scary. Do you realize what kind of weird people are at my school? Do you realize how they treat people that they don't like? Do you realize? And as I, I kind of got thinking about this. I thought about a girl in the Bible named Esther. And Esther had a very unfortunate Fortunate set of circumstances, and she has a whole book named Esther. If you want to read all about it, read the book of Esther. But in a nutshell, her family was taken after a war. Her parents were lost. She lived with her uncle. He kind of adopted her. And one day, the king gets in a fight with his wife and decides that she's no longer fit to be queen anymore. And after the fight, he declared that she couldn't be queen, and then he gets mad because he doesn't have a wife anymore. And so his friends go, I got an idea. Why don't you just take all the good-looking girls from the land, and you can just pick them all, and then sleep with them and figure out which one you like the most and keep that one. And he's like, hey, that doesn't sound too bad. And so he sends guys out to, to take the most good-looking girls that they could find. So this wasn't like she volunteered and was like, "Oh, it's bachelor, I'm going to sleep, you know, get the king. Like, um, this is... It says that she was taken. in uh, Esther chapter two verse eight. she was gathered and then it says that she was taken. But in this that she was, she's, she's taken, she ends up becoming the queen, and while she's, she's queen, somebody decides that they don't like the Israelites and they want to exterminate them from the earth. And they set up this, this large plan, and her uncle goes, "You need to stop this." And she goes, "Well how? I haven't seen the king in a month. If anyone walks into the king's presence without being summoned, the penalty is that you have your head removed. And the penalty goes for me as well. he just looks, and this is his response. If you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And she responds and goes, all right, fast, pray, and I will go before the king. And she goes before the king, and she was granted favor. And she's able to save her people because she looked at the danger and said, maybe for such a time as this, I am here. I believe that you guys are in your schools for such a time as this. I believe that God is calling you, that God wants to reach your school, and God wants to know if he can use you. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, I heard a voice from the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. I want to know how many of you guys want God to use you. I want, in fact, if if you're willing to say, God, use me, I want you to do something brave. I want you to stand and say, I want God to use me. Yeah, go ahead right now. Go ahead and stand. Say, I want God to use me. Awesome. Then you've just accepted a challenge from God, not from me. He says, here am I. He says, who shall I send? And you just stood and said, here am I. Send me. And he says, how can they go unless they're sent? So we're going to send you. Go ahead, turn to the person, the people next to you, put your hand on their shoulders. I can't lay hands on every one of you, so we're going to pray for each other. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over you because God wants to use you, and we are going to commission you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. "...who stood and said that they want to be used by you, that have said, here am I, send me. Here am I, use me." God I thank you that you give them boldness and strength that your word rests upon them that it rests in their mouth that your word does not return void that as they begin to step out as they begin to let your love and your light shine in their schools God that it will break through the darkness that it will bring hope into a place that has been a place of depression and brokenness God that people will turn towards you that people will see your love and your kindness flowing through them that your kindness draws people to repentance that you give them the boldness to stand up for what they believe to invite people to church to invite people to pray for the people when they see the people that are broken, that are hurting, that are sick, that they stand up beyond the social norms, that they can reach out to the broken and to the hurting, to the rejected, to the lonely. God, that they can stand up, that they can be your representative. God, that you said that you redeemed them, that you have reconciled them and given them the ministry of reconciliation. God, that you would strengthen them, give them courage, that you would pour out your spirit on them, that they can rise up, that we will see their schools changed. God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.